everybody, and welcome to Roll It, a movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ty Lore. How you doing, Ty? What up, what up, what up? Not much, not much. Uh, trying to regroup after this week's movie. Uh, takes a little time. We were just talk- we were talking before. I can't can't watch this one like and then go right to bed. You kind of have to have some time to you know <laughs> think about stuff and kind of bring yourself out of the uh, the haze. So yeah. this week we are doing the 2013 film Prisoners, directed by Denny Villeneuve and starring Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. So Ty, I thought I was thinking neither of us had seen this. This has been on my watch list for a while. I just hadn't got around to it. Uh, and you said, you know, you were, you were like, oh, this looks interesting. And then we were talking today and you're like, oh yeah, I had seen this. <laughs> you're awful at remembering what movies you've seen and haven't seen. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on it since so, you've seen it twice? Yeah, it was actually, I remember it was like, I remembered a lot about it, but not a lot. Like I remember a lot about certain parts of the movie, but not a lot about the entire storyline. You know what I mean? Like I kind of mm-hmm. totally forgot about the maze part, but I knew, I knew this, like I knew about Alex and you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And the torture stuff. And like, yeah, like you said, you need to decompress a decompression period. Like after watching this movie, you know what I mean? It, it really, it really brings in a lot of emotion. And it, I think it's one of the best films at really getting the viewer to feel those emotions. You know what I mean? To feel mm-hmm. sorry for the father, the parents to feel sorry, but also like angry, but also feel sorry for the Alex and also feel like the, pressure of the detective like all these all these emotions that are like stacked up I, I feel like they really got across in like a, what a situation like this could possibly feel like you know what I mean uh but yeah that being said watching it again as soon as I realized that I had seen it before I was kind of like oh man I was like this is gonna, <laughs> you know it was just like well I know the next two hours and 30 minutes are just gonna be heavy yeah you know? But it yeah, is a long I mean, movie. It is a long movie. It's a it's a really good movie. It, it's but it is like heavy and like so. I watched it. I think it was. I think it was twenty. It would have been like right when it came out on either where you could rent it online or on DVD. Because I remember I watched it in a friend's apartment in college. So I think it would have been around 2015, 2014, 2015 ish. Um, mm-hmm. Right after, like a couple years after it came out. So it, it was almost like I kind of forgot that I had seen that movie. I forgot how good the cinematography and stuff was. All I could remember is how it Roger kind Deakins. Of, yeah, dude, my guy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> D-O-P-O-G. Know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, I, I remember how it made me feel. You know what I mean? Like, I remember, like, it made me kind of feel, like, a little sick. And it wasn't because it was, like, overly grotesque or anything like that. It was just, like, the emotion, the powerfulness of, of the emotion that was conveyed really, like, settles in on your stomach, I think. Mm-hmm. what'd you yeah. think of it though yeah this this is so this is a rare occurrence where i pick a heavy emotional movie and uh <laughs> and then haven't you seen haven't it. seen it yeah yeah, yeah. so what yeah, are your no, thoughts that's... on first watch so yeah i it's a good movie i don't plan on doing a rewatch uh just because it's you know i, I it's did heavy <laughs> yeah for what it's worth i also did not plan on doing a rewatch and then i accidentally <laughs> so be, be careful it's ha- and i like there's certain heavy movies where i like Rewatching them, like I love Synecdoche, New York. I'll watch that again. That's that's pretty heavy. Um, there's some, but there's some like not, there's some light parts there. It's it, yeah. It's that has comedy in it. This has zero comedy. Yeah, this um, continuously builds on <laughs> the heftiness of the emotions and all. Yeah, but yeah, there's certain ones, but this just this the tone of this movie, like. I, I don't I don't think I need to watch it again. You know what I mean? But it's really good. Everything about it, like you mentioned, the cinematography is really good. Uh, love that scene where Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, at the end when he's driving to the hospital. Oh mm-hmm. man, yeah, it's, dude. Uh, it's like that is the pennant. Like that's just so intense. Yeah, and the way that's shot, uh, so good. And it has you like um, on the edge of your seat, and you're kind of like, yeah, is, is something gonna happen? Is something you know, like, yeah, you don't think he's gonna make it? You think he's gonna like crash? It's yeah, yeah, it's very good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think this is fantastically put together. Like you said, it, it's so good at building. It's kind of, uh, not in the same way, but it's kind of like reminded me of David Lynch and that it's, I mean, it's also saying something, but it's very much like the mood of this movie is a large part of this movie. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like all about building a perfect, the perfect mood to tell this story and, uh, you know, follows 
you know, enough different characters, but also kind of gets in all these people's heads and shows you the complexities and uniqueness of different characters and stuff. And it takes its time, definitely. With, but it's you not know, a two slow. hour and thirty run runtime. But yeah, it's it's because like every every like fifteen or twenty minutes, you're like. It's it's one of those things that happens in like uh, crime shows. Yeah, like ten ten minutes in to the yep. crime show, and you're like, "Well, there's the killer. They got him." Yeah. <laughs> the, rest, the last fifty minutes of this show, I don't know what they're gonna do, but it's over now. <laughs> yeah. um, that that happens in this movie every like ten or fifteen minutes. They're like, "Well, we got folks. We got them." But I I knew it. What it was? I don't know how far into it. Maybe like an hour. I kind of. I kind of had my guesses at the end. I was, you know, roughly accurate. I didn't know exactly all the twists and turns it was going to take. But I I vaguely knew or had an idea what was going to happen or a guess. Um, I but, think, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no go no. ahead. No, no, no. I, w- I want you to continue your wrap-up. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I, I – I, no, I can't remember. I, I like that – it kind of does bring those up, but but it all has to kind of it's all flowing in the same direction, and it's just kind of giving you clues, even though it's acting like they're the solution. But it's just clue on clue on clue. But at the same time, it's kind of building the intensity the whole time, um, which is definitely a credit to uh, Villeneuve. Um, I love saying his name, um, but yeah, your, your, no, prestige, I, I, your prestige increases every time you say it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> sounds so sophisticated. Uh but yeah, no, I, I, I like a lot of what he does. I think there is, I talked about, you know, the mood being a lot of it, but I think there is a lot, some stuff underneath the surface that we can dig into, but uh, definitely love the mood this puts off. And that's, I think, definitely the highlight of what this movie does and uh, can show you what cinema can really do well. Yeah, but I'll, I'll let you, uh, yeah, I'll say this and then I'll, I'll let you jump into the uh, the wrap, but, or the summary of it. But um, I, I don't know. And I think I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this when I first watched the movie, but like after, you know, doing this podcast and really discussing movies a lot more in the last year and a half, two years or whatever, and, and just watching a lot more dramas, I think in my life, I, I really don't know if there's a more complete drama that, that is like this, where it's so, it's so, uh, good in almost every aspect of film from the, the sound, like the music to the, uh, the score to to like just like the ambient noises that they use to um mm-hmm. y- you know the cinematography the color grading the just like you said the overall mood I, I I'm not sure if I've seen a drama I mean you know there will be blood got to fall back on my favorite but but that's <laughs> it's almost like this is complete like it, it's you know I I don't see where it was lacking in any part of that even like character development I didn't want to know more about one character want to need to know less about another I you know what I mean like. I felt it, it was so well-rounded and I don't know if there's like, if any in the last, you know, year of the dramas that we've talked about that have really stood out to me as so complete. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I think it's, uh, I, I would agree that it's like, it's pretty complete and it's, you know, just well put together. I think that's why it works so well in building that intensity and mm-hmm. that mood. Um, I don't know if it's the best drama I've ever seen. I'd have to think about that. Uh, I don't think it is. But well, um, I'm not saying it's the best. I'm just saying so complete. Like, right? It, okay. I don't think that I don't think those necessarily correlate. You know what I mean? Like, you can have like the like I love I love the cinematography in in the aesthetic and in the story behind There Will Be Blood so much more than the score. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Where like with this, I just feel like they really like everything. There was nothing that overwhelmed or underwhelmed. I guess I should say. You know. Yeah, it all just kind of fit together. Yeah. yeah. We're like in, in There Will Be Blood, there were some slow parts, you know? Those are my critiques there. But like with this, you know, like we're saying, like, I feel like it flowed really well. I feel like everything, like, was done very, very, very well. I don't think that means it's like a grade A movie, you know what I mean? But like, it's very well rounded. Yeah. Okay. Um. So let me do the recap. It's a long recap because. I didn't know what to leave out. I mean, I left out a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a com- got a, it's a complex storyline. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, like, I didn't have anything about the maze in here and that secret society or whatever. Well, then, but well, then we got to stop it right now and got to <laughs> we got to stop the podcast it's, right it's, now. Right? It's implied. It's implied. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it, and we'll get into it later. But yeah, so all right, this is 
this is the basic summary, I guess. A long basic summary. So, in Pennsylvania, Keller Dover and his family go to their friend's house for a Thanksgiving dinner. The two families' young daughters, roughly the same age, go out to play and start climbing on an old RV before being taken off by their siblings. Soon after, the girls go out to play again, but this time, don't come back. The families become frantic, but the old RV is soon found and the odd-acting driver is taken in for questioning by the police and Detective Loki, who is heading up the investigation. His RV comes back with no traces of the girl. He is found to be quite intellectually deficient and incapable of the task. He's let go, much to the displeasure of Keller, who's sure he's guilty. Keller takes things into his own hands and abducts the RV driver, Alex Jones, and begins to torture him, hoping he will lead him to his daughter. And he also brings in the other father to help. But this leads nowhere, and Alex gives up nothing. Meanwhile, Detective Loki is searching all the leads and is even suspicious of what Keller is up to. Loki then comes across and arrests a suspicious guy and finds some of the girl's clothing in his house and figures it has to be him. As Loki gets rough with him in the questioning room, the man steals one of the officer's guns and kills himself. Not long after, though, there's little evidence that the man actually had the girls with him as the blood on their clothing was his. After the other family's daughter managed to escape, she says something that leads Keller to suspect Alex's aunt is behind it. He goes to her house and he turns out to be right because she gets a step on him and at gunpoint leads him to a hole underground and traps him there. Loki finds Alex trapped in Keller's torture chamber and goes to tell Alex's aunt, but upon getting there, he realizes a connection between Alex's aunt and the girl's kidnapping, and ends up finding her in the house with Dover's daughter, injecting her with something. Loki kills her after being shot himself, but he is able to woozily rush the girl to the hospital where she recovers. With Keller still missing, Loki is looking over the excavation, but after everyone leaves, he hears a faint whistle and knows it has a connection to Keller. End of movie. That ending, dude. <laughs> that's what'd a good you, ending what'd you think i like that ending? yeah the ending was the ending was great man it was because I, I thought they might get into it and like you know uh have him you know like be looking around the car and it might go that far and like pull the car back and find the hole but yeah no i like the way it just cuts to black and you know what happens and you know you know it obviously will end up in jail or something yeah and, and going back to you know my comment of it being like a complete and well-rounded drama i mean even that like for a movie that was that long they knew exactly how to end it i think you know that i don't oh yeah i can't picture a different ending because like we didn't need to know what happens after that because it, like the 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 editing i guess of like what scenes to show was so great in this movie i, I feel like they did such a good job at telling that story you know what i mean yeah in no, the, I, in I a agree. concise way yeah, I think I think the ending. There's not really an ending I could picture, like you said. It works so well for the tone this movie sets. Like you know, it's got to have an ending like that, just uh, like it cut to black. I know? mean, it wraps. Yeah, it like it, it ties it ties back to the beginning of the movie and them going to look for the whistle to begin with, you know, and uh, and it ties back to a bunch of little things like the everything. Like I guess everything is so thought out. Like even the dialogue, like what the girls were going to look for. There was it, nothing seemed like an accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When he, I mean, when he found that whistle underground, I was like, well, this is going to come up later. Yeah. I, I had a hunch, and then, you know, and, and I'm a big fan of the, uh, the cut to black movie ending. Yes. You know, very big uh, fan of that myself. Yeah. I, I like that, especially when it's used well, you know, it can be used poorly, but it, it's definitely used well here. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I don't know what you want to talk about first. Well, here, let's talk about this first. Just being from Pennsylvania, dude, that was like the biggest Pennsylvania mood in November <laughs> ever. Because he said, because like it looked, obviously it looks just like a, you know, Pennsylvania neighborhood, you know, and yeah. Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving any, time. But when any PA when, town you drive through, if you get off an interstate, <laughs> yeah, because when he's when Jake Gyllenhaal says like get the PSB out here, 
I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I mm-hmm. wonder if that's Pennsylvania State Police. It probably mm-hmm. is. Like, what you know? Yeah. And then obviously you find out later, and I was like, yeah, that that's about right. It it very much evokes uh evokes a setting. And it's yeah, it, it's very like in touch with Pennsylvania too. Like saying PSP, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't I don't I don't think they say like MSP in Montana. Like get the MSP out here. Maybe they do actually. I don't know. I don't know. You're not from Montana. You're, <laughs> You're right. I'm not from Montana. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and because i don't i don't think they ever say the name of the town but i think i'm like but anyway i can't remember it now but i looked it up did you have any other thoughts on the setting and like evoking that uh feeling i know uh i mean hugh jackman definitely had that like pennsylvania you know, dad the woodsy pennsylvania prepper dad down yeah yeah he did dude uh i think we all know somebody like that yeah and, and I think like with the mood, it, it strikes like I think that's the most depressing time here in Pennsylvania in the state. Honestly, like th- there's like that lull period where it's just rain and sl- snow and the sky's always dreary and it's it's like Dark, a month long. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. it comes between like Thanksgiving and Christmas and and just like that's that's what it that's what I mean when I guess I say like it's in touch with Pennsylvania. Like for me, that is like the most depressing time. And then it starts picking back up after Christmas, New Year. You know what I mean? And it's like. uh it's just like that dreary period and it nailed it with that mood. And, and that was like, when I say like layering the emotions, you know what I mean? It just starts off with that. Um, you know, and, and everything is layered so well. Like they give you what you need to know and like that you need to chew on from the beginning. Uh, just like him saying like opening with the, the prayer and then shooting the deer and then talking about, um, their religion and stuff and all the crosses obviously like that gets layered on layered on layered and then that mo- like i feel like the mood of it all uh i would like to know if i mean i would assume that's intentional but <laughs> i would like to know if it just wasn't intentional in in one point too you can hear like the um weather weatherman say oh it's gonna be like five days of rain or whatever oh, too I in the background that. in on the tv yeah and uh it's like well t- uh it's gonna be like the next five days are all rain or something like that. But um, that was just like a good base layer, I think, for yeah, stacking no, everything up on. I agree because I was thinking it made me – I mean I mentioned it already earlier this podcast. But it made me think about Synecdoche, New York. Mm-hmm. There's this scene at the beginning when he like wakes up and there's – on the radio. He's like listening to the radio when he gets out of bed and it's like – it's like some poem on – why like September is the melancholy month because everything's dying. And that's, that kind of reminded me of this. Cause it's all, you know, it's set at Thanksgiving and it's kind of dreary. And it's like, this is, this is in the midst of everything dying and everything and the transitioning from life to death. You know, that's what fall is the transition from life to death. And I think that kind of, like you said, it does set either uh, consciously or subconsciously sets a base layer for, the you know the transition that will happen in this movie with the various characters and yeah. you know going from good to evil life to death all kinds of stuff yeah i like that yeah. and whether i think i'm i would be pretty confident that it's intentional but who knows I, but either way that's yeah. the author baby it doesn't matter <laughs> what he wanted that's what we're saying and, and you're exactly right but like just going back to talking about everything else, I, I feel like everything was so well planned in, in the making of this movie that it, it would, you know, I feel like Villeneuve wouldn't have been like, oh, if it rains, it rains. Yeah. And we, we should give credit to who was the writer for this. Now I can't remember. I couldn't write Shoot, down. I, I couldn't write it. down their name fast enough. It's uh, Aaron. And then it's Guzikowski. Uh, Guzikowski. Aaron Guzikowski. Guzikowski. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the uh, while we're doing credits, uh, music by Johan Johansson, the same guy that did the score for Mandy. Oh, which right was pretty rock and roll. Um, <laughs> much different good... score on this one, but yeah. still, but still a good, uh, still a good vibe piece. You know, it really sets the mood. Yeah, I think the one thing I liked about this movie, I, I'd like to know your thoughts. I, I think there was a lot of dead uh, sound, like no audio or just straight um ambient noises you know uh yeah 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 and no, and i definitely wasn't filled to the max right and 
And, uh, I mean, I really liked it. Like, even, like, there wasn't that much dialogue. You know what I mean? A lot of it was, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of this movie, a lot of watching this movie happen, you know, in your own head. Because you're mm-hmm. constantly piecing things together from the detective, from what you know from this, from what you know from that scene. And it's it takes that kind of, like, um, interactiveness from, like, crime shows, I guess. But, like, you're also burdened with, like, feeling for Keller and also feeling for Alex and, and also being like, dang, you know, Loki's a baller. Um, which, just to, just to throw on the record, if anything ever happens to me where I need a, a detective on my side, I would want it to be him, 100%. Why, I'm getting Jake Gyllenhaal on the case. <laughs> um, and I mean, speaking of that, let's. I mean, we can jump into uh, the acting because I mean, I love Jake Gyllenhaal's performance here. I'm I'm a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I think he's pretty good in most things. I dude, um, I think he I think he absolutely killed it with like the edgy, angsty detective that you know what I mean, like. Yeah, and he just does a good job of adding, you know, like he does the blinking thing, yeah, and like just very, and even other stuff, other His subtle mannerisms. things that he does. Man, he just add, he makes a character its own character. Yeah, you know, it may he makes makes it somebody totally independent of anything else, and uh, I, you know, it's not it's not any other cop you've seen on any other show no. or movie. It's like totally independent and. Uh, a unique character, uh, which is impressive. And I mean, Hugh Jackman is no slouch either. He does. No, he's dude. very good at portraying who he's supposed to be portraying to. I, yeah. Hugh Jackman in this perform, like it, I think he's phenomenal. I think, I think in, in one thing I liked about it, even though I didn't like it, but from uh, the two different girls families, you got the um, joy's mom and dad. And then you have uh Anna's mom and dad and every parent is handling this a different way. So mm-hmm. you all, you almost feel the emotion. You almost feel like the emotion from every person. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like you can understand where Keller's coming from. You can be like, Oh, his wife who's just completely depressed and, and sleeping every single day and on these sleeping, pill- like you get that too. Uh, and then with joy's parents, He's like a reserved, um, you know, you, you feel you, like you feel how these people might feel. Um, mm-hmm. And I think every like the acting all around in this movie was phenomenal. But really like Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal really killed it, I think, because they just really sold that emotion to you. Yeah. And I mean, Paul Dano, shout out Paul Dano, because. I didn't even recognize. I didn't recognize him for uh, I don't know the first couple minutes he was on screen. I think it was during the inter when uh, Jill and Hall was interrogating him, and I was like, "Is that Paul Dano?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. He uh, he's in this. That's yeah. uh. I mean, he puts on a show. I mean, he's totally believable in his character as well. I mean, I, I mean, think there's no nobody slouching here. No, and I think a good case can be made that like, is it a extremely good drama without Paul Dano? And uh, probably not. Probably not. Because I mean, he he uh, he has a quite a performance, even though he's kind of his face is either obscured by swelling or obscured by a board most of the movie. Yeah, but he still puts on quite a performance. And and he, it's almost like he he gives you. It's so good at just giving you the sympathy. You kind of feel bad for him because you're like, I don't like. There's just something about how he looks, and then they obviously tell you he's an IQ of a ten year old. You know. And in mm-hmm. his face, but like I don't know, he's Paul Dano. But then just, you see he, him like as a person, though he does. He's like, yeah, I can either play that twelve-year-old or I can play a fifty-five-year-old creep. Whatever you got, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, but yeah, because then you go back and forth on Alex. You're like, oh, he's obviously guilty, and then it's yeah. like, no, maybe not. And then you see him pick up the dog and like mm-hmm. hang it by its leash, and you're like, well, he's obviously got some issues. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, dude, I kind of forgot about this, too, because so it's funny. I watched it. Like I said, I watched it years ago, a couple years after it came out. Uh, but Ralph, the guy who played Ralph. Um, uh, Who's Ralph? Dylan Ralph Dover, Keller's son. Dylan oh, oh, okay, Minette. Okay. Um, Minette. I don't know how to say it. Um, he is like the star from 13 Reasons Why or whatever. 
And, and it's kind of funny seeing him. I knew his him. face kind of looked familiar. Yeah. I never watched the show. I knew his face kind of looked familiar. Yeah. But I didn't, I'd never seen anything with him in it or not that I remembered. Yeah. So, I mean, he would have filmed that probably right after. Maybe he probably would have started filming that, that right after this movie. I don't know when that came out. 13 Reasons Why. I have no idea. It had to. Yeah. I mean, I think it was uh, 20, 2017 to 2020. Oh, so a few, four, four years later. Yeah. Four years later, yeah. four years later was when they started shooting it. So. Huh. All right. Anyway, uh, oh, and I guess while we're still go- while we're going down the list of actors, I did want to make note that uh, the guy I think his name was Bob, the guy with all the mazes and the snakes. God, um, the, the snakes. Yeah, um, yeah, Bob, Bob Taylor, Bob. Uh, yeah, he David uh, David Dastmalsh, David <laughs> Dastmalshian, Dastmalshian. Um, anyway, that's the guy. I've only I only remember seeing him distinctively in two roles, and the other one was in The Dark Knight, and he plays one of the Joker's, uh, one of the people the Joker recruits, and then Harvey like flips the coin whether they kill him or not. Uh, mm-hmm. He dresses up like a police officer. I don't know if you remember, but the interesting thing he plays like a, a oh. weird like a schizophrenic guy yeah. in The Dark Knight, and then he also plays like a crazy dude in this. Yeah, um, and you know, I guess that guy's been typecast. <laughs> yeah, I, was just gonna uh, say, I thought, like, I thought I it was like... interesting. Like, well, that's that's all you can do is play. But I mean, he anyway. plays it well. Play, he does play it well. He played it well. He does. Uh, but yeah, dude, when when Jill Hall started opening those and all the snakes were there, I was like, uh, nope. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> and then he didn't close them back up. He just like, I know. I'm like, dude, what if they're venomous, my dude? Yeah, I I had major issues with that. Yeah. But anyway, and I'll be I'll be a hundred percent honest. Even if I was trying my hardest, after two and they were both snakes, I'd walk out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or like, but you I know, mean, get some gloves or something. Yeah, but I guess uh, I guess that's why I'm not a detective. I don't have that drive. I I, I yeah, I'd probably keep maybe keep opening them, but I'd close the other ones. Right. I, I mean, know. I would a hundred percent close the other ones. <laughs> I would like at, at the very minimum. I mean, I'm not dumb. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you can you can be in a hurry. Yeah, like, how long does it take you to close it? You know, Just, not that long. No. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Um, but you know, props to him. He's trying. He's doing his best. But uh, so let's talk about. Well, let's talk about the title of the movie, Prisoners. Let's do it. Um, obvious. Obviously, you know it. It stands for the girls who are imprisoned. You know, quite literally. And but Alex, I think. And well, Alex is also in prison, quite literally. But I think you know that you know it's it's actually saying that every li- pretty much everybody in this movie is is a prison. imprisoned and and is a prisoner in some way. And I think you know going back to my comment about like the parents of Joy and Anna, like that that's a good way of showing it. They're all prisoners in in their own kind of way. You know what I mean? Um, but mm-hmm. even yeah, even exactly. expanding that, like l- literally, Alex is a prisoner, like the like joy and anna were and to keller um keller's a prisoner to his like this uh struggle with faith and uh i I guess really like i don't even know he's he's struggling with a lot but uh alcohol like alcohol (laughs) is coming back too and and he's yeah he's got a lot going on um but yeah loki i mean every yeah like everybody in this movie is a prisoner in some in some way yeah, Loki's kind of a prisoner to like finding like to succeeding, you know, because yeah. like they mentioned like all of his cases, he's solved all of his cases or whatever, and you know the detective at the like near the end when they th- you know they think the guy died, they, they think the guy that killed himself was like killed the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, well, you can't, you know, you can't win them all. You got to lose one. I think he's a prisoner to like thinking he's got to win every single one, you know. Uh, and yeah, like you said, but all the, like, well, he's all, almost just well, a prisoner to all, his case, every case, you know, I, that's how, he right. Yeah. Like, he's just totally enveloped. He doesn't have a family. doesn't have anything else. He's just like, well, I, I, you know, this is it. This is all there is. And I got to figure it out. Even though Keller thinks it's the opposite. Um, and then, like you said, all the parents are, I thought like all the parents and pretty much everybody involved as a prisoner like when there's a when there's a case like this it's not only the victims that are affected it's like everybody else is also in a prison 
because they're you know waiting for things to come back to normal or like hoping things will come back to normal yeah so, and yeah they're, you know imprisoned in this uh terrible reality yeah i mean everybody's imprisoned in because of x y or z you know yeah and it, it also brings up the you know the imprisoned because of like past actions have led you to where you are now you know mm-hmm. like uh you know like the we talk about it all the time determinism free will kind of stuff like does keller like the actions that keller's had in the past does it lead him to having the actions he now has does it lead him to having no other choice like is he you know kind of handcuffed to the choices he makes like you know what i mean right uh and stuff like that it it, it also brings up those interesting questions um but I, I don't know how i don't think we have to get too deep into it but it's it's interesting and then the same thing with the maze symbolism you know showing uh well it's the only the that, maze with no yeah well go ahead oh no you you were saying it no i was gonna say the maze with no solution yep. it's you know you're a prisoner uh even if you have hopes of escaping you're not you know you will never you, escape. you won't because it's you know impossible to get out yeah uh of of the prisons even whether they're of our own making or someone else's you know uh i would like to know whatever happened with the priest yeah <laughs> yeah me too because like that kinda, was that yeah, was a kinda very totally forgot about that well that was me like too. that was one of those things that that was like such a perfectly placed like storytelling tool i think because you kind of already have made up your mind of who did it at that point you know, and then mm-hmm. Loki's going out and he's just knocking on doors and you're like, oh, this guy's just like an alcoholic. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, and then they find this guy down there and then uh, he's just pretty lax. And then he even says like, oh, he said he, he was bragging about abducting 16 kids or whatever. And um, even me watching it the second time, I was kind of just like unrelated. And <laughs> <laughs> but, Red herring. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, like just like the like that's almost just like a little, you know, piece of this entire yeah. entire movie that if it wasn't there, it wouldn't have really changed the movie. But it because it was there, it, it enhanced it so much more, and it was uh, just a small like storyline. I think. Well, I think because he has that necklace, and that's what uh, Loki connects when he sees the necklace on. Uh, whatever her name is uh the his, alex's aunt yeah. when he sees the picture and he sees the necklace on that dude that's what makes yeah him, that's true he saw yeah, the necklace yeah. on the guy the priest killed yeah so you're right you um, couldn't take it out yeah yeah but uh, i think i mean i guess what i'm saying is i think like at the, that scene added like so much more in in just progressing the story like scenes like that make long movies feel short you know what i mean yeah and especially I mean, it never comes back to him, so it's just like another addition right. to this, you know, uh, winding story. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that you know the priest was talking about, you know, well, I had to do it because he was saying like he abducted six, abducted and killed sixteen kids, blah blah blah, war wage war on God, all that stuff. Um, but the only reason Loki was going to the priest's house. Was because he looked up the list of all like the sex offenders, uh, in the area. child sex offenders, yeah, uh, in the area. So you know it, it brings that in, which I just watched. Uh, I just watched Spotlight. It's on Netflix, so that was you know fresh in my mind. So that's you know. a great movie, by the way. Yeah, uh, we should maybe do that sometime. But yeah, fantastic. It's movie. very good, very good. Especially, yeah, especially yeah, if well, you're maybe. a journalist, man. There's not much more. That's like, uh, <laughs> like that's like hype walkout music for journalists, man. Watching that movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, blood, you'll have to boiling, ma- maybe give up. me a year since maybe give me a year since I just watched it. Yeah, but, uh, we'll take that on twenty twenty two. Before we do it again, it's yeah. on the twenty twenty two list yeah, of no, uh, movies to to do. <laughs> it's a solid movie though. It's on Netflix. It you is. should watch it. Yes, highly recommended. Anyway, but yeah, so which brings me on to uh, well, another topic that I want to talk about, which is religion, which I think is uh, definitely pretty prevalent in this movie. I mean, it starts off. Is with, it? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> it starts off with Keller saying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and then he said, I think he says Lord's Prayer two or at, uh, least, at least at least one or two more times. He at least says it one more time Yeah, when he's uh, uh, like kneeling down by like before he's going to turn the water on. Because he can't finish it. He's like, yeah, forgive us our trespasses and those you know, who have as we forgive. And then yeah. he can't 
save those who trespass against us. Ah, uh, but, um, so I don't even know what to start with here, but, uh, I guess where, where, where do you think this comes down on religion? What's this saying about religion? If it's saying anything at all, or if it's kind of just nebulous. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's just used as showing like another inner, inner battle and in another way of being a prisoner. You know what I mean? Like, um, even what's her name? Holly, uh, Holly and her husband were devout. Holly, yeah. Yeah. Holly and her husband were devout. And then they, um, why'd she say they had a fall? Her husband, her child died of cancer. Yeah. Her child died of cancer or whatever. And, uh, and so like just knowing that I think, but like, I, I mean, I think it's just a really like, it's, it's another just layer for me. I mean, it's another thing where I'm like, you know, if they didn't have it, I think the movie would still be good. But like adding that other layer of religion, it, it's almost just like as someone who's is a Christian, it, it's hard to, or I mean, it's like easy to understand these people at times, you know, which is another battle of trying to be like imprisoned in your mind, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what do you think? So I feel like your I feel like your thoughts on this are probably better because I didn't even have a chance to think on it. Well, I I don't know. Well, let me let me go on some of the some of the things it does with it, and then maybe I'll kind of uh, yeah, maybe I can conglomerate those into too. a thought at the end. So um, so I think there's definitely something that uh, Keller is very obviously a man of faith. But, and he's praying all the time, uh, whether it's the Lord's Prayer or not, but he doesn't really have faith in God to sort it out. You know what I mean? He doesn't have faith. He also doesn't have faith in Loki to do his job and to solve it, even though, you know, he's doing more than, you know what I mean? He's figuring out just as much as Keller is, you know, and... And and another thing that adds to this is I didn't catch this, but I saw this on a Reddit thread that uh, um, every time he is praying for you know something to happen, it Loki shows up and kind of like maybe oh, not solves the problem, yeah. but he kind of makes an appearance as in like he is like uh, the human you know manifestation of God work you know God working through him. Right. Um, and also you add Loki, his name, which is, which is a reference to the Norse God. And then he also has like a Freemason ring. He -hmm. has a sun tattoo, which I looked up and it's actually the star. It's called the star of Ishtar, which was a Babylonian, which was the Babylonian goddess. Uh, so he's got all these kind of monikers of God and godliness on him and he's got the like you know these tattoos on his fingers um that are you know cryptic and it may not necessarily like the christian god even though he's got a cross on his thumb but like this conglomeration of like the divine yeah and like a higher power of spirituality of of a higher power just believing in something yeah supposed... higher than self i think right and that's what he's supposed to symbolize but like so Keller says he's a man of faith and like devout, but he's not willing to accept, you know, the help from this manifestation of a higher power right. or this representation or this symbol of, you know, something. So he takes things into his own hands and, you know, makes it worse, really. That's an interesting I mean, that's that's like an interesting way to like because I, I feel like a lot of times when movies try to incorporate religion, it's almost just it's either like they don't really intermix. Like this is like a good way of intermixing divine power or, you know what I mean? Divine intervention or different thoughts of divine intervention rather than just Christianity's version or just, uh, you know, Norse gods or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. It's, it's an interesting way to do it. And I think it's uh pretty well done. Cause it's, it's not like it knocks you over the head with that well yeah you know, and it's not like you need to know that to get anything more i mean or like you don't need right. to know that to get the movie but when you know that you get something more out of it right right um but yeah and then i mean we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about like how you know the people with the maze stuff are waging a war with god quote unquote and the uh holly says like you know may we make them 
lose their faith and makes them into demons. Like she's talking to uh, Keller and she said, make them into demons like you. Yeah. Um, but I don't, what, uh, I don't know. Is that just supposed to be an allusion to like, uh, you know, Satan and like paradise lost or something, you know, like trying to pull people because you've fallen. You also want to pull people to fall just like you or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of how I took it. I, I took it as, you know, like, they've lost their faith and now they want to, they want to make sure that other people see how fragile it is too, or something, you know, like, or just, that's kind of what I just picked up on is just like, they just want to be mean <laughs> as dumb as that sounds, but you know, like, cause yeah, looking, they've fallen. So look, they want everybody yeah. else. Yeah. To fall with them. Yeah. That's kind of what I took. Just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, what else do I have on that? I guess not much. Um, but yeah, we see. So, I mean, Keller, he doesn't he doesn't lose his faith but he does like she says he does kind of turn into the thing he he despises you know he becomes a torturer when he's despising the people who tortured his daughter right um so whether he has redemption or not which you could read the ending as you know uh you know his rising from the dead his redemption you know, even though we don't, it's not on screen, but it's implied. Well, and at that point, uh, after he's been trapped, you know, and just going back to what you said about how, how he didn't really have trust in the higher power, you know, and every time he prayed, Loki showed up. Well, that like Loki hearing him is almost like he he's finally having faith in Loki now after he saved his That's daughter, true. but he doesn't know that he saved his daughter, obviously. But it's almost like the first time in the movie where Keller is literally putting all his faith and trust into a higher power, literally and figuratively, who is Loki, you know? And that's when, when he's under, when he gets trapped underground and we see him the, like the last time we see him, he prays and he's like, you know, just like help, you know, find my daughter, yeah, help my daughter be safe, blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly when Loki saves her. Mm-hmm. So like when he has no, when he has no, uh, uh, like when he's at rock bottom, I, uh, when he has no, uh, when he has no ability to have an action, oh, he can't do yeah, anything. Yeah. So he has to put all his faith in God to kind of sort it out. That's when the problem actually gets solved. That's when his daughter is found. Right. And, and saved. I mean, and does uh, and that reinstate his end, faith? Do you think? And that's what I kind of think. Cause that's when he totally gives up all illusions of him making a difference. Like he's like, well, let me just give myself up to this power. And like, you know, it's in their hands. And that's when Loki saves the day and then uh, subsequently is able to, because he does it again. He's kind of, when he blows the whistle, it's the same thing. He's putting yeah. his his, his uh, salvation into somebody else's hands. And, you know, in this case, it's the manifestation of, or the symbol of divinity in Loki yeah. uh, who ends up saving him. So I think that makes sense. It It's kind of him not atoning for his sins, but, you know, you know, uh, Fine, like almost finally, for? like finally getting finding it right. his faith again. I yeah, guess. finding or his faith getting, again. Or, yeah, getting it right. Getting it right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. like doing. He he's almost just been doing the same thing, but just in different ways. You know, like he was like, it, it, and now he he finally like got on target. Yeah, I don't have much else. What you know? I wanted to ask you about, about like, do you think there's any relationship with like all the tree branches? all the bark or anything like that. Like I, I was trying to see if like, I was trying to think if there was anything just like on surface because it focused so much on the depth of field in this movie, just talking about cinematography a little bit. Um, you know, we talk about like deep focus a lot and, and how it's, you know, when it works, it works, but like shallow depth of field movies or movies like shot just at shallow depth of field. Most of the time, like this one, I, I think um, like this one just does such a good job at it. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes it can get a little too gimmicky uh, because, you know, it, it's a good way to get around a lot of stuff to have things out of focus and stuff. But, like, the way that yeah, this you movie can do shoots it, it is, is, like, phenomenal, I think. And, and it focuses so much on, like, bark and wood. Like, when the van drives into the woods, when the, you know, like, the wood in the evidence room, then there's, like, the tree that's only the trees in focus in front of the house, like Joy's house, you know, um, when they mm. go missing. Like, I, I don't know. You know, is there something there with like trees and faith or gro- I, I don't I honestly have no idea. I haven't thought anything through, uh, but I, I feel like there has to be something. There's uh, there's probably some kind of Bible verse out there that probably makes uh, 
sense. But no, to speak to first speak on your uh, uh, point on the shallow depth of field, I think you're right that like I mean that's why like zero movies are shot in deep focus is because it's hard to do and uh, to make everything look to make it work right, and that's what I mean. Most movies use shallow depth of field just because you know it's it's easier and it's you know like not necessarily a shortcut but it's you can hide a it's lot a way of around yeah, stuff. it's a way around stuff you can like, hide stuff you, yeah you know, not everybody and, has the ability like quentin tarantino to recreate hollywood and shut down hollywood <laughs> you know what i mean so you can recreate yeah. a little block of it and then shoot that out of focus and it looks the same um but yeah so but uh shoot what was i gonna say can't remember now but oh yeah but i think like i mean when he like roger deakins obviously knows what he's doing here yeah he's been he's been behind the camera before time too (laughs) but because i think i think the the depth of field really works well in this movie and i mean cinematography as a whole does but in terms of the trees i i did notice that as well i don't know nothing popped into my mind i should have done some research on like some you know bible quotes about trees or something because uh, I'm sure there's something that ties in. Because there's that very distinctive tree when they're like running away. You see, yeah. like Joy when she's like trying to think, and it shows her running. And you see, all you see is that tree that's like super big, and it's got all the branches coming out the top. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it's definitely I, there. I, I don't have anything right now. There. But there's something there. There is something there. Uh, yeah. I, I would agree with that, but I just didn't do enough research to know what it's actually saying. Forgive us for our but, sins. <laughs> yeah. And those who have sinned against us. <laughs> but I, I want to just mention, like, uh, just to dab a little little bit of philosoph- philosophical terms in there. Consequentialism, uh, you know, Dover's kind of, he kind of goes to this when he takes Alex, which consequentialism is like, uh, thinking that one one's actions are justified by the end result and not what the action itself is. So, like, if he tortures this guy and it's, he finds his daughter without his daughter dying, then it's worth it. Um, which you know that brings up a whole bunch of uh, ethical debates. But that's that's obviously the camp he's in. So I just wanted to mention that, like, consequentialism yeah, versus sure. like de- deontologism or deontological ethics, which is like every action is should be measured by what that action is so like is torture good uh probably not so you probably shouldn't torture anybody regardless of what comes out of it um but yeah so wanted to mention that i don't really have much besides that but um it it really was pretty prevalent his his ethical uh leanings when he was well and and going back to going back to consequentialism is that what it is (laughs) Uh, yeah, consequentialism. Consequential. Right. Oh, yeah, right. Consequentialism. I uh, just had a, delivered a speech on this last week. Anyways, um, <laughs> no, going back to consequentialism, like with Keller too, I think that's why you see him break down as the movie goes on because he knows that he knows that uh, his actions are in his mind. His actions are only justified if he finds his daughter alive. So right. that, that like as time goes on, he gets more distraught because now he's just like he doesn't want to kill alex and that's why he ends up doing like this weird and and i was i was you know i was telling uh my fiance about this the other day but like for some reason torture in movies even if it's not grotesque and like very like in your face or anything like that it just like it it gives me a weird emotion you know i don't know yeah and and like definitely like just that dark of thinking i think and uh you know like the whole water situation too that it just goes to show like that was almost like the last point and he didn't want to kill him because killing him never would justify his actions or his actions would never be justified if his daughter was never found or whatever, you know? Right. Right. And that's why he almost seems like, because I think at times you're like, what is, is he like sympathetic to this guy, this, this kid, you know, that he's been torturing. And at first he's not at all. And then you see him like he has moments where he is because, you know, he doesn't care about anything other than getting his daughter, but he also doesn't mm-hmm. want to take somebody's Cross life for that because, yeah. and that goes back to kind of like the hunting scene at the beginning, you know? Yeah. Talking yeah. to his son about, yeah. about taking somebody's taking innocent life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and yeah. Cause you think like the, like you said, the longer and longer it goes, it's like, he's like kind of second questioning, but he's like, well, 
I'm in it. I'm in it too deep now. Right. Like I, and I gotta gotta go for it. I can't <laughs> just take them home now. Yeah, I'm committed. Um, <laughs> well, and, and you know, going back to that, like I honestly have never. Which, really to heard be fair, about... Alex wasn't totally innocent, because right? He, he did know, and that's what I was wondering too. At. Like the do- like they obviously Holly says that Alex wanted to take him for a ride. In the mm-hmm. thing, and so he they were obviously in there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe that's how they just lured him up, and then the and then she grabbed him before they even got in the RV or something. I don't know. Not sure, but going back to consequentialism, <laughs> uh, too. At the beginning, Keller's like, uh, like with the hunting. You know, just thinking back, we never really talked about that opening scene, but it was like, I, I think the opening and uh, end of this movie are, are both phenomenal. Um, yeah, but like the killing of the deer at the beginning, he's talking to his son about why that action is like justified basically in the ride home. And that's the first appearance mm-hmm. where you see, uh, well, it's, it's kind of like the second insert of religion, but it's, it's the first appearance where you actually see the symbol, like the a cross just with everything else out of focus as they're driving down the road, talking about why, uh, you know, those actions are justified and, uh, you know. I, I think that's kind of interesting talking about this because then going back to the end of the movie where they're not at one point, And I think he comes to peace when they are for him. Mm-hmm. And that's when he's down yeah. there and he's like, I don't care what happens now because in his, in his own mind, he's, he's fine with it because his daughter's alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have anything else? I don't man. Um, yeah, Roger Deakins killed it. Um, POG. POG. D-O-P-O-G. Uh, all That's right, it, well. Uh... All right. So, yeah, once again, <laughs> we don't know what we're doing next next time. It, uh, so yeah. we'll try to put that in the show notes. Here's, here's how week. we can fix that, I think. Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, these guys just never – have anything <laughs> you could you could send us some suggestions um we're totally yeah. open to suggestions and you can send them to us in a variety of different ways which are ryan you can uh shoot us an email or uh roll a podcast at gmail.com uh give us you know suggestions or thoughts on prisoners or any other movie we've done in the past uh shoot us anything you think uh yeah you can send that there and also you can find us on social media on instagram and twitter we're at roll up podcast on both of those anything else ty um i don't think so uh a per yep yeah, no, let me just check my notes nah <laughs> if you want you can uh you can review us on apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can find a place to review us uh you know that'd be appreciated But uh, I guess besides that, we will uh, see you all in two weeks with something (laughs) that we'll figure out soon. Uh, Yeah, and until next time, you know, pray for the best and prepare for the worst. Mm